Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the first official Kessel Run Comics podcast featuring yours truly, host Macadelic and Skelly Boy. And we're ready to bring you guys some charm entertainment. All right. Well, I guess let's just move straight into our top five this week. So number five is going to be New Year's Evil. And the only reason I picked it on there is because I'm hoping Calendar Man's in it. Because he's one of my favorite Batman villains. And I feel like he just doesn't get the love he needs. Highly underrated. Yeah. And especially since Black Mantis is on here. Dude. You know, and he's not really primarily a Batman villain. Yeah, that's an Aquaman baddie. That's yeah. his arch, man. Yeah, so I'm hoping that they'll show my man Calendar Man some loving since the last thing he was in was the Arkham series. The Arkham series, got you. I really like that cover too because it's just holiday themed. You know, it's new. You know, it's called New Year's Evil, but it, it's it's very much more Christmassy kind of in my opinion. Even though you, know, I don't know, it's kind of it's the best of both worlds. It's yeah. both Christmas with Joker wearing his you know whole Saint Nick get up, but also at the same time holding this golden ball or like golden disco ball with 2020 on top of it. The year 2020 is going to be nuts for comics, by the yeah. way. Like, ridiculous. Yeah, and it's just 80 pages of goodness. Yeah, that is. That's a giant. That thing's nine ninety nine, man. But, like, that's worth it for 80 pages, for sure. So, that concludes number five. For number four on our list, we have Ghost Rider 2099, number one. Obviously, this is a one-shot. Uh this book's four ninety nine, and it's written by Ed Brisson, um, who is also the writer of the regular ongoing Ghost Rider comic book. So I love the fact that not only with this book, the Ghost Rider twenty ninety nine tie in, but also with the Ghost Rider um, Absolute Carnage tie in, yeah. he wrote that too. Yeah, so they're basically yeah, so they're basically letting Ed Brisson have full creative control over my boy Ghost Rider and any iteration that that takes, which I love. I think that's amazing. So that's why that is predominantly my pick. But as you guys will hear later, you know, Jacob and I, we like the 2099 stuff. Yeah, especially with this Ghost Rider, I feel like it's showing a more modern love towards a Ghost Rider take because he's not like, he's a keyboard warrior. He uses keyboard and mouse on a computer and stuff like that. And it's showing more of a modernized take on someone who might get a spirit of vengeance in a modern day era. You for know? sure. For Instead sure. of just being like the old same story repeated. Yeah. I love that too. That was probably my favorite thing about the book. Honestly, when I read the synopsis, even though I haven't actually read it yet, I'm a little behind on my reading. Uh, I did read that the kid is uh, a keyboard warrior and I believe the name is something along the lines of like Kenji or it, it, he's, he's probably Asian or she's probably Asian. I'm like, I'm guessing it's a man, but yeah, like the cover art definitely looks male. Oh yeah, for sure. Ghost Rider always looks male unless it's literally, you know, you, you, you can, you can tell by the curvature yeah. of the body, but yeah, that concludes number four on our list. Jacob, what's so, number three for number three. This was one of my picks. And it's going to be 20XX, which is about a, it's, they have. It's a modern society. Yeah, it's a modern society. And don't they have telepathy? Yeah, so the Sims, there's like Sims and there's like the regular people. And so like Sims are the, you know, the telepaths yeah. that are basically gang, like, you gang, know. It's a gang war. Yeah. Among them in Anchorage, Alaska, which is like a super depressing place to start with. And then you add telepathic gang war to it. And it's <laughs> like, <laughs> that could be anything, dude. Like, 
Who knows? And so yeah, I definitely gotta take a home night and read it and see where it goes. For That's sure. one of them I'm looking forward to most. Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting how on the cover too you've got uh, the black girl on the side, like she's bleeding tears, or yeah. excuse me, ble- yeah, bleeding tears. I haven't read about. I've seen something about a disease. Well, that's oh, going around. Yeah. And if you notice the other girl on the cover, she has a prosthetic arm, too. Yeah. So there's a lot more going on besides just the telepathic gang war going on. For sure. In the society. But that's just like the icing on the cake. Right. That was their selling point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, well, that concludes number three. For number two, we have our dynamic duo on the front cover of Cyclops and my girl Emma Frost. Uh, this book is X-Men number three, of course, written by the great Jonathan Hickman, who rebooted all this new X-Men material. Um, this book's $3.99, and as far as the solicitation, the solicitation just tells us basically kind of really vaguely that we've got a new threat in the Savage Land. So who knows you know, what that can be. Again, behind on my reading from still from last week, so I haven't read it yet, but you know, Cyclops is your favorite character or yeah. one of your favorite X-Men characters. He's my favorite X-Men character by far. Oh, yeah. Like, just followed briefly by Wolverine. Okay. But he is my number one X-Men character, so I'm definitely got to get this and catch up on my X-Men reading because I haven't even read X-Men 2 yet. Oh, but X-Men 2 was great. I've been reading the rest of them. <laughs> Facts, dude. There's with six new titles, like that was a like I thought it was difficult reading House of X and Powers of Ten week to week when that was coming out because that yeah. was 12 straight weeks of just freaking read like you know, a book every like I said, a book every week for 12 weeks. And like the story and Powers of Ten was just so so much harder to read than the House of X was because it kind of flipped times and stuff. But still, back on this X Men number three, man. Solicitation says there's a new threat in the Savage Land, and apparently Emma and Cyclops are going to check it out. Emma's my favorite X-Babe, without a doubt. I don't know if she's my favorite X-Men character. She definitely would break my top three as far as just characters in general. Um, But yeah, dude, this cover is just beautiful with it being like kind of a yellow color, has some light green hues in it. And I mean, with those two those two characters, I mean, what more could you want? That's a powerhouse, just the two of them yeah. as a dynamic duo. Yeah, that's insane that they decided to pair those two up together. For sure. I thought Emma would kind of, or Cyclops would kind of stay involved in, like, the X-Men ongoing run yeah. and maybe bleed over into, like, X-Force or something like that. But And Emma, I thought Emma was going to almost be confined to Marauders because she's the White Queen and basically controlling the Hellfire Trading Company. Which all this is showing is that they're bleeding over everywhere. Oh, yeah. I I feel like now... I plan on reading like two or three of them. I feel like I got to read all six of them now to know what's going on. Yeah. And I mean, even though I'm only collecting three of them, I'm collecting the X-Men ongoing run because obviously that's going to, you know, potentially increase in value one day. Uh marauders just because i fell in love with the cast and obviously i I told you guys a minute ago that i have a sweet spot for emma frost but then finally like new mutants man like that that issue number one it it was kind of difficult to wrap your head around in some areas and like we just said i think this any of these characters can pop up in anyone's book so i think yeah like in order to get the big picture of what's going on Mm -hmm. you have to be reading all six yeah even if you're not collecting them. Like I said, you know, since I own a shop, I am reading all six, but I'm not, I'm only collecting half of them. Yeah. 
So that is the end of our discussion on number two. Dude, I think we just talked about number two more than we did any of <laughs> the other books combined. All right, number one. We finally made it to number one on our top five. Number one is Venom 2099. This is a 2099 one-shot that ties in with that whole gig coming out of ASM. Jacob, what are your thoughts on this? I think it's interesting how they're presenting this book because it's got one of the few female Venoms as the main character. I believe her name's Alec Bell. And the way the Venom host, get, well, the, the way the symbiote gets free is it's a side effect to a cure that it's, you know, in the year 2099. And in the synopsis, Mac just pointed out that it kind of sounds like it's talking to you. Yeah, so when you read the synopsis, there's a couple of different places where it has parentheses, and in the parentheses, there's four different ones. It says, help, free me, save me, and don't let them destroy me. So, I don't know. That kind of sounds like, that kind of sounds like that the Venom symbiote knows its demise might be around the corner. Yeah. And it's searching for a host, you know, to kind of free itself from its enslavement at Alchemax. I mean, I may be reading into it a little bit too much, but I mean, that sounds roughly correct. Yeah, that sounds like it could be dead on for it because it was just supposed to be a cure. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, it just popped on this one person. Sometimes you just Your get a mind. bad dose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess that rounds out our top five. All right, well, our next segment of the show, the podcast, is going to be Star Wars. So not only are we going to talk about the four different Star Wars comics that came out this week, but we're also going to maybe talk a little bit about The Mandalorian and maybe any kind of like movie hype that we've got before Episode Nine. So for the first comic book in the Star Wars section, I've got Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order Dark Temple. This book is written by Matthew Rosenberg, and it is a five-issue miniseries. This book uh, follows Seer Junda predominantly, which is a character straight out of the game, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. And that game was exquisite, dude. Like, talking about an open-world game that allows you to do basically anything that you want, dude, I beat it in two days. <laughs> That's really the, one of the main reasons I haven't felt like buying it, just because I've heard so many people beat it so quickly. Right, the game? Yeah, so yeah. I just felt like there wasn't enough content there. And as far as Star Wars, I don't follow these comics at all. Yeah. Which you already knew. Well, see, like, some of the other ones on the list, like, for instance, the next one, Star Wars Adventures, like, I collect it because it's part of the ongoing canon for the comics, but I haven't read a single issue of that because it's it is geared for kids. It literally has the Disney imprint on the bottom left corner. So, I mean, but... Anyway, this uh, Fallen Order Dark Temple number five rounds out the miniseries and actually moves perfectly into the second sister, uh, the temple on the planet on Totho. Uh, I know I'm diving into probably like a lot of you are going to be like, what is he talking about? But like, dude, I've been reading this book like every week when it comes out, it is top priority. All my, all these Star Wars, yeah, all these Star Wars titles. And next week when Star Wars, uh, Target Vader number six comes out. I am pumped for that book. Like, that book is going to be fire. Like, Bounty Hunters hunting Vader? That's intense. But 
This book, nonetheless, fire. I suggest anybody who is playing the Jedi Fallen Order video game, this is a prequel comic for that game. So I definitely suggest, you know, at least buy issue number one and try it out. And if you're into it, you're into it. If not, so be it. Jedi. But anyway, that's number five, I guess. No, that's that was number four on the four books that I got for Star Wars. Book number two, as I kind of already previewed, was Star Wars Adventures number 28. I also did point out that this book is a Disney book. So, you know, it is, while it, it is canon still, it is definitely for kids. Like, you can just look at the front cover and tell. I mean, my favorite thing about it is that thing on Chewbacca's shoulder. The Porg? Whatever it's called. It's a I porg. like it. You like the Porg? A lot of people like the Porgs. They've started making plushes out of those, man. But, so, I, like I said a second ago, I haven't read any of these Star Wars Adventures books. But, I've been collecting them all. This issue is the first one that says, across even the title of Star Wars Adventures, it says, Journey to Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. So I imagine, because on the current ongoing Star Wars titles, it says that this book has to be, or has to kind of give us a little bit of a key, you know, weeks or, uh, you know, a couple of months leading up to the actual battle and conflict in The Rise of Skywalker. So... I may actually just randomly read this one and, you know, any other ones that come out between now and the time the movie kicks off. So that was Star Wars Adventures number 28. Um, also this week, I got an old book here. I got the facsimile of Star Wars number one. Which you have a slab of as well. I do have a slab of that. The real deal yeah. at a 9.6. Too bad the 9.8 is going for about a grand right now. Otherwise, I'd have that bad boy. But... The facsimile for like, you know, the mass consensus that can't afford a $450 (laughs) comic book. But this book, man, like I haven't I haven't read through it yet, but I've had a raw copy of the real deal. The actual Star Wars number one. And I did flip through it and I did read a couple of panels. But the first five issues of the original Star Wars run is just adaptations of what happens in the movie, the okay. original movie. Yeah, so technically number six is like the first one with original storyline. Yeah. You know, so this is really interesting. Definitely, you know, being a Star Wars store, our name being Kessel Run Comics, had to get the Star Wars number one facsimile. And the final book on our Star Wars list, or our Star Wars comic list, is Star Wars Saga. This is a comics primer. So while this is not an actual, you know, true blue comic book that's going to have a story being told in this issue, it has a bunch of stories being told in this issue. And what I mean by that is, so Star Wars just recently, the ongoing series, counted up to 75 issues. Since 2015, that's the only Star Wars ongoing series we've had until January. January 1st. The second volume of the Star Wars ongoing series through Marvel is going to come out. Also, February, we're going to get a new Darth Vader series. Up to this point, since 2015 and the recanonization, Vader has had two volumes of 25 issues each. So basically, this one comic book, Star Wars Saga Comics Primer, is going to get you caught up on all the hot bullet points from the 75 issues of the Star Wars ongoing series, as well as... Darth Vader, Volume 1, and Volume 2. So any any key moments, you're going to get caught up. It's an easy way to not worry about missing anything and to feel like you can actually jump on 
and read the new Star Wars ongoing series as well as the new Darth Vader series. How much is it? This book, it it is, for you? yeah, it's just three ninety nine, so it's okay. regular cover price. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a dude. It's a steal, and I, you know, while our community here in you know rural Bladen County isn't uh you know really knowledgeable on comic books yet, you know we're we're working every day to you know educate our community and get people behind the comic books, man. They're I like actually buy that one just if the, just in case I do decide to pick up the new volume right. of the Star Wars or the Vader cuz I mean I'm not the hugest Vader fan but I might decide to collect that. Yeah. I, I mean at least it, grab just, number 1. Yeah. Number the number ones we know. Yeah, you like. know I'm going to get number 1 cuz it's key. <laughs> of course. But I might get that just in case I do decide to read it. Grab them keys, Jacob. Oh. All right. Well, I guess that uh wraps up our Star Wars talk. All right, so now we are going to move into our TV, film, and exterior. Anything further out than that, just kind of like speculation segment of the show. So, our first topic of discussion is the recently administered. And the reason why I use the word administered is because it got my brain, like, all kinds of, like, what is this? But, like, the new Black Widow trailer, man. Man, I'm... So hyped for that because I I think Black Widow is one of the most underrated Avengers for sure in the movies. You know, like, I feel like she doesn't get enough love. Right, of same as Hawkeye. Yeah, yeah, but I feel like more people like Hawkeye than they like Black Widow. Well, I think that has to do with the fact that he's kind of like. Well, I was gonna say I think it has to do with the fact that he kind of like you know has is edgy like he kind of like will talk smack to like the other yeah, characters, a, but like she will too. Like, yeah. cause there, cause there was multiple moments where she'd like either subtly flirt with like Tony Stark, or where she'll like you know make a joke with Cap, like yeah. that's kind of maybe provocative. Yeah, she's like she's snarky sometimes. Right, 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 right. And I feel like that's like she's just seen as like oh the human one on the team, you know? Yeah. But I feel like that kind of has its own weight behind it too, you know? For like, sure. You can throw hands with the Hulk. You're, you know, you might still you <laughs> might not have superhuman strength, but. If you throw induces with the Hulk, you you're something, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you out here, and they got the Red Guardian in it, Dude. and her sister. Yeah, the and, sister I don't even know that much of. Yeah, and Red Guardian I definitely don't know that much of, except that he's a you know an existing comic book character. Yeah, and that he's basically just the Soviet Union's version of Cap. Yeah, I wonder if he's got the power of Cap, bro. If he does have like super soldier serum. That might make him like a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, super soldier, super soldier vodka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about that. But dude, yeah, I don't even. I didn't know that Black Widow had a sister. Me like either. to begin with. Yeah, I mean, I've never like looked too much into her besides the movies. Right. But, you know, I didn't know that. That was interesting. Whenever she was sneaking through the house, and it was like, I know you're there. Like, oh, hey sis, that? how are you? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, and the other people at the table, too. Yeah. I, they were sitting there. I'm just going to assume. And, like, I know, like, assuming just makes an ass out of you and me. But, like, I'm going to assume from that, just that maybe 15, 20 seconds of Red Guardian, Black Widow, Black Widow's sister, and that other woman. I'm going to assume that's a family of four. Yeah, that's what it kind of felt like. Right. Because the um, Red Guardian was, like, it's glad to be back together as a family. Right. And so I was like, hmm, is he talking, like... Soviet version of the Avengers right, family? Right, right, or, right, right. you know, did he sell his daughter off as an adolescent to be trained family? Like, yeah, if so, that's kind of intense. But, 
I mean, if he's kind of been like basically the super, like the, you know, red guardian for, you know, Soviet Russia for all those years while Black Widow and her sister were growing up, then it's kind of just kind of like already in her wheelhouse. Yeah. Black Widows, I mean, and her sister, who obviously is trained in some form of martial arts or something with her and Black Widow kind of shaking down and in the trailer briefly. Yeah. I think it's very possible that they are an actual blood family, and it's not. Yeah, they're just like a super family, right? Kind of Soviet Incredibles. Yeah, it's almost it's almost like they're a super family, but at the same time, they're kind of like a a superficial super family. And the reason why I say that is because, like, say Red Guardian does have super soldier serum, yeah. like Black Widow's just trained; she's a regular yeah. human, and. S- Probably to my the same knowledge, thing with her sister. Right. I was about to say, to my knowledge, the sister and maybe the mom or that other woman who was present at that table are the same way. Yeah. You know, they're just well trained, you know, killers. Yeah. Like, um, I can't remember. There was a movie about a family of spies. Oh, it's my kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have no idea, though. Is it in the like comics universe? Like, no, what? this was just something that like, Universal did or something. That okay. They like picked up a plot for. Gotcha. Like, I can't remember what the name of it is. Hmm. All right. Well, I mean, I don't have a whole lot more to talk about the Black Widow video, being the fact that we only got a two minute video. Two There's... minutes and 21 seconds, if that wasn't for the introduction part of it. Yeah, I really two things that I want to point out about the trailer that I was really into were the intro and the outro. And I know that's kind of a weird thing to like compliment on the trailer, but like the intro had the Marvel logo that like flips with the comic books. Mm-hmm. It ended or yeah, it ended with like the top and bottom becoming like red. And, like, the sides, the right and the left being black. So it made the hourglass of a Black Widow. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then, of course, at the very end of the trailer, the outro, you know, was coming out of the words Black Widow, or coming out of the hourglass. Yeah. And, like, it showed Black Widow, or at least an animated version of Black Widow, like, kind of walking. silhouette walking away. Yeah. I thought that was dope. Oh, yeah. Dude, that was probably my third, fourth favorite part of the entire teaser trailer yeah i feel like a part that we missed now that i'm thinking back on it mm-hmm. what about the white suit <sighs> bro the white widow I, that just popped in whenever you were talking about her walking i was like wait a minute yeah she was wearing a white suit and i made a comment when we were watching it that she it reminded me of silver sable even though that has nothing to do with this at all facts you know like well she's still a marvel character yeah so like hmm I doubt that's going to be a development. Jacob like. Speck out of left field. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, possibly, dude. I mean, I feel like with the next like iteration or the next, uh, what do they call it? Stage? No, not stage four. But um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they're like uh, 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 phase, yeah. phase four. I feel like with phase four, you know, Black Widow is, if I'm not mistaken, the beginning of that or part of what is phase four. Because it was announced as part, yeah, like as the timeline of Phase 4. Either way, I feel like sometime in Phase 4, we're going to get those niche characters like Silver Sable. Yeah. You know. And maybe she's just the start of a bunch of niche, 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 niche characters getting their chance at the spotlight. Right. You know? They're beginning. I mean, really, DC isn't putting out much. Dude, 
my issue right now, both with comic books, no pun intended with me saying issue, but both <laughs> with the comic books and the DCU, like the or the DCCU, like the DC yeah. Cinematic Universe, like I don't feel like they have the grip on it the way like Marvel does, nor can they promote it really the way Marvel does. Yeah. Like Marvel gets people coming out of the woodworks, man. Yeah. Like, which I mean, this is something I've pointed out multiple times, but it's like DC really has got to the point where it seems like they're just grabbing at air with pushing out Batman stuff. Oh yeah. Especially like in the comic universe. For sure. Like they're really just grabbing at straws at this point. And, you know, there hasn't been a DC movie that I was hyped for since Batman versus Superman. And even that was a letdown. How many years ago was that? That's an old movie. Yeah. Like, like, that's, the, that's the last one that I was like, you know what? I want to see it in theater. And I did. And didn't live up to the hype for me. I feel like they have such an, I feel like they have such an issue showing off their characters' weaknesses. Right. That Marvel doesn't. Because I feel like they tried too hard to make Batman just this super, you know, powerful OP. character. Yeah. And same thing with Superman. They try to they try too hard to not show their weaknesses because the fact that Wonder Woman could very well defeat Superman. Oh, yeah. And he did get hit by her sword and it did hurt him in the movie. But I feel like that's like one of the few times in the cinematic universe they show any weakness. Right. You know, like even whenever Batman got his back broke. Right. He just made a comeback. You sure. know, it went to a it went to a rocky montage of him getting stronger yeah you know like, like him working out yeah it yeah. wasn't like oh he's in a time of weakness it was oh he's batman he's about to clap back right and i feel like that's one of the issues they really struggle with yeah and the only way they ever portray superman their other poster boy yeah the only way they ever portray him as having a weakness is kryptonite like yeah. literally this man has no other weakness like there's never been a time where someone just beat the hell out of him in a movie like yeah. that we've seen in recent years. Yeah. There's not been a time where, you know, he just absolutely gets it handed to him in the comic books other than recently with Dr. Freeze, right? Or Mr. Freeze? Mr. Freeze. Batman, yeah, Mr. Freeze. Yeah. And he doesn't even clap him. He just gets away. Right, yeah. You know, like, I, I bought him because Batman did catch an L technically. Yeah. But it wasn't like Mr. Freeze froze Batman. Right. You know, it was just... Or beat him down. Yeah. But, he basically forced a retreat. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that, that was just it. And with Superman, he has so many more weaknesses, right? Than just Kryptonite. Like he's yeah. immune to any god weapon. So like Aquaman could very well clap Superman oh, with yeah. a trident. Yeah, you know? like very well easily. Mm -hmm. And they they don't want to portray that, you know? Because they they can't to... they can't let my man Aquaman look cool, Jacob. Like <laughs> never will they do that. And that's just one thing I really have an issue with, and the fact that. Everyone thinks that his X-ray vision is so strong, but he still can't see through a lead blanket. Yeah, like if if a villain made a fortress out of lead, he wouldn't find it. Yeah, unless he walked into it. Facts. <laughs> That's true. Well, I don't really have a whole lot more to talk about Black Widow, but I definitely have a New Mutants teaser trailer that I want to talk about. That's coming out in April. Isn't it like April 12th or 21st or something uh, like that? I think it is 20-something. Yeah. It's, Maybe 24th? Yeah, I don't know why that feels like. April. But it's sometimes, yeah, I know it's somewhere in the 20s. It yeah. was a definite two. Yeah. I know there. it's a ways away, man, but, like, you've got some spec riding on this, like, new movie. Yeah, so after 
you know, that trailer was announced. I watched it. One of the few trailers I did watch because I am following the comic book series. And this one of them I didn't expect to follow. Right. But after I read the first one, I was like, mm, let me go ahead and, you know, keep up with it. And then that trailer got announced and you actually showed it to me. And, you know, we can see, obviously, Magic's in it. Right. Wolf's Bane. Yeah, Wolf's Bane's also in it. And I have some spec that in the trailer, if you haven't seen it, it's a trailer, so this isn't a spoiler. There's a fiery ball in a, looks like an old school washer or dryer with a... It looks like a laundromat washer. Yeah, it's like an industrial size washing machine, and there's a row of them, but there's a fiery figure in there. And I really feel like that's Chamber. Because you have brought up that it could be, was it, who was it? Sunspot. Yeah, you brought up that it could be Sunspot, but I feel like with Chamber being a newer character, Mm -hmm. that they're going to try and show him off in that movie. I'd love that. You know, and with him being, in my opinion, he's one of the cooler characters in the new series, the new comic series. Yeah. Because there's nothing known about him. He doesn't talk too much so far. And we've only seen his power at the very end of a comic and didn't really get to see what it is. But we do know that it's something powerful. Right. Whenever he exposes his body. I was about to say, any time like you see him like throughout the whole book, for whatever reason, he has this like blue like his uh what are they called? I guess boxes, like the voice boxes yeah. or what are they called? Damn. There's speech an, bubbles. Speech bubbles. There you go. His speech bubbles are like this wispy blue color. Yeah. And it kinda looks like, you know, ghastly or ghouly or something like that. So while I thought he might have some like evil powers. And like you said, any other time he's not actually using his mutant ability, he's wrapped up. Like, yeah, basically mummified. Down, yeah. Just completely wrapped. Like, like he has third-degree burns. He looks like a burn victim. Right. And there was a picture. I don't remember if it was in the comic book or not, but it showed, like, just a, a light source, like a power source coming from up under the bandages. Yeah. Like he was about to explode. I think that was the comic, the first issue number one was of it, the mutants. In the, was it the last panel? I think so. Okay, yeah. And, like, you know, that right there makes me feel like they put him in a chamber. Right. Wherever they're at in the New Mutants movie. Right. And I feel like that's where he got his name from, you know, because yeah. he had to turn himself into a chamber. But that's just my spec, and I'm definitely watching all those first appearances on eBay right now. Dude, I know. Like, we, you've been talking about a couple different lots you're watching. Yeah, I'm watching two or three lots, and there's a couple of them that are just people selling their own collection mm-hmm. that I'm still watching, trying to snipe. And there was that one that I showed you that it was autographed on the inside, which was weird. That is weird. Yeah, but, like on the first page or two. Yeah, like right there up under the guy's name. Yeah, like where the writers and order, like basically where the credits for who made the book yeah. is. And so I've been watching that one too. And if I can get that one cheap enough, I mean, even if it's not a real autograph, for that sure. could be my reader copy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Hell yeah. The only, I think my favorite part of that New Mutants trailer is it's almost like the trailer is almost portrayed to us as being a horror movie. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, there's there's multiple moments where if obviously, you know, people watch horror movie trailers all the time. There's always that, you know, flashing light that happens right after something intense happens and like, you know, the scream that's kind of like shaken up almost. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it other than that, but it's just kind of like... I don't know, modified, but they have a bunch of kind of like jump scare scenes and like intense scenes and like even the scene that you're talking about where uh, somebody's approaching that washer yeah, and, and he just, throws the hand like what yeah. we're assuming is chamber or speculating is chamber, throwing his hand up on the 
um, the glass, yeah. and all you see is like a basically a hand just engulfed in flames. So like I'm, we're assuming the character being Chamber is just like basically a ball of fire, like the equivalent, I guess, of Human Torch. Yeah, I feel like it, he may be something like that, but less controlled. Right. Almost like Vulcan. Yeah. With his power. Yeah. You know, because he has almost the Cyclops ability, but through his body. Right. So I feel like it's almost something like that, but closer to what Johnny Blaze is. Right. Wait, Johnny Blaze. Johnny Blaze is Ghost Rider. Yeah, I, I said that, and I was like, wait Johnny a minute. Johnny Storm. Yeah, Johnny Storm. I said that, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Is there anything else I wanted to hit on about New Mutants? I mean, it does um, look like a horror movie. Yeah, and, and, and like I said, that's the what I'm most pumped up for. Back to the weaknesses, I like it because it's showing that the New Mutants, you know, because they're young mutants. Yeah. They're scared because they've been trapped. You, know? oh, you can yeah. tell they're obviously in some kind of trapped situation. They've been, like, tested on. Yeah, and, and even though they're powerful, you know, they're still scared. Where I feel like most of the times where we have seen the mutants in those situations, it's been like Wolverine. And Wolverine isn't going to show up as scared. Wolverine's, oh, for sure. You know, you strap Wolverine down, he rips everything out of his body. He scares you. Yeah. <laughs> Not the other way around, buddy. Sorry. And, like, I think that's really neat that they're taking that turn of showing, like, young people has mutants. Someone besides Quicksilver. Right. Because Quicksilver's a young mutant that they did show. I think his first appearance was in Days of Future Past. Uh, yes. Yeah. As far as, like, the 20th century yeah. Quicksilver goes. Yeah. Yeah, the the modern one, the right? It's like yeah. correct mm-hmm. according to the MCU, and um, you know, even then it was just he had his power, he was cool with it, he wasn't scared of nothing until he broke his leg, mm. and that was that was a cringeworthy moment in that movie. <laughs> I felt that for him, <laughs> a cringeworthy moment. But that's about all I got to say about the New Mutants trailer. Yeah. Unless you have some more spec. Nah, I I don't really have any speculation yet because I think we're going to get a more full-length trailer. I will say that the only thing that kind of concerns me is, so, like, did you see the movie Logan? Like, the old Wolverine with, you know, X-23 in it Mm -hmm. and stuff? So, you know the Latina woman who's, like, basically the guardian for X-23? Like, Mm -hmm. the one that they meet early on. That basically shows up at the gravesite when Wolverine's there, like, basically just as the driver of the hearse. Yeah. So, um, don't quote me on this, and don't attack me, any of you listeners, but I swear, not only does the voice that voices over, like, the first 30 seconds or 45 seconds of the trailer, no, 45 seconds is too long, first 20 or 30 seconds of the trailer, it sounds just like her voice when she's asking, you know, I want you to answer these questions for me. Or I have a few questions I want to ask you. And then, you know, ask the three questions. It sounds just like her. There's also a Latina woman in the movie that it shows, like, administering, you know, Mm -hmm. medical, like, procedures to the New Mutants. And, man, I just feel like that, if that's the same actress, does it shrink the world? Like, or does it kind of open it up? Because part of me feels like that, with it being the same actress, you know... It's going to be the same she, character? Well, this has got to be... It would mean, yeah, A, it would have to be the same character. Mm-hmm. But B, she died in Logan, if you don't remember. Yeah. So this would mean it would have to be a prequel to Logan. Like, it would obviously have to come first. Yeah. And I guess that would make sense with, like... So you know how you know you get to see in Logan that... 
where X-23 was born, you know, in that facility, mm-hmm. there were a crap ton of other kids. And, like, all those other kids had basically been, you know, held in cells. Like, it said multiple times in the thing, they've never seen the light of day. They don't know what outside looks like, you know? So, if she has been basically the nurse watching over all of those, like, who's to say that these new mutants that we're going to get in April weren't basically, like, the first class? No X-Men, pun intended. But of basically that new project of, like, yeah. trying to weaponize the mutants. You know, that... That's some good spec because as far as I remember looking reading the new mutants, we haven't seen any Wolverine. Right. So he very well could be dead. Mm-hmm. You know, because has the new mutants crossed over at all with any of the other five series that they're running? Like uh, Marauders or any of that? No, it hasn't crossed over in the sense of like the characters popping up in it. Yeah. If you don't count the Star Jammers, because you know how at the end of issue one of New Mutants, uh, the mean the new mutants are looking for one of their teammates that's yeah. like on another planet yeah. and they have to like basically enlist the star jammers and yeah. the star jammers are you know the group led by corsair and corsair yeah. is the father of cyclops uh gabriel summers vulcan and yeah. uh what's his name i know it's havoc but yeah. ethan aaron yeah. something like that but yeah so I definitely, aside from, you know, him and, like, yeah. he's technically part of the X-Men, like, mm-hmm. series because, you know, the X-Men is based around basically the Summers family with the exception of Wolverine. And there's another character, I feel like, that's in that group that's not part of the family dynamic, like the blood family dynamic. It's slipping my mind right now. But, yeah, I'm pretty Night sure. Nightcrawler? Nightcrawler. I don't he's in the He's in the normal X-Men group. Yeah, but I don't think he's been introduced in this series. Oh, you yet. mean in this series? I thought yeah, you were yeah, just talking yeah. about normal ones. Yeah. No, no, no. I was talking about yeah. all this. Mm-hmm. Were you talking about Wolverine crossing over in a historic New Mutants? Because that no. I wouldn't know. No, I'm talking about the new ones. Oh, uh, yeah. He hasn't popped up in the new ones. Yeah, but like I, they've been in space for most of the New Mutants. Yeah. I mean, there's only two issues out so far. Yeah. And, and again, behind on number two. Yeah, it went so. through one. They were talking. They made T got to space. Issue two in space, basically. They ain't ran into Wolverine yet. I'm hyped for it. I actually liked uh, issue number two's cover a little bit better than number one because you get like more of a team dynamic. I mean, number one looks fantastic. Do not let me sell that short for a minute. But yeah. I don't know. I feel like there's more camaraderie in the cover of number two. I get what you're saying, but I still like number one better just because it was showing. Off the characters. You right. Know, like yeah. all of them were using their abilities to some degree, with the exception of Chamber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the rest of them were using their abilities and showing off what they could do. And so, you know, I like that one, but just better. But they do look like more of a team. Facts. On the second one. Well, you're just kind of catching up. Like in the first one, like you said, like they're showing off their powers on the front cover. While in the second one, you're kind of catching the group in like a behind the scenes moment. Because, like, somebody's yeah. holding a box, if I remember correctly, and they're all just kind of, like, looking over their shoulders at who there's a shadow on the bottom, if you didn't notice that, uh, of number two. So, like, they're all kind of turning around being like, who's this? You I've know? read it, so I know what happened. Oh, okay. So, I know exactly. Jeez, I'm glad you didn't say anything and ruin it for me. <laughs> That's why I only talked about what the events of number one, because I knew you were behind. So, I was like, number two is just in space. He knows that happens. Yeah. 
I can't wait to read that one. Honestly, I may go ahead and read that tonight. But to round off this segment of the podcast before we do our outro, I have one more question for you. We've done plenty of talking about Chamber in this podcast. And Chamber is only one of two new characters in the New Mutants. What do you think about Mondo? That's an interesting power. He's neat. He is, you know, I will say he's neat. You know, that's cool. Um, it's not necessarily an original power. Right. We have seen other people with that power before. Maybe not necessarily in the Marvel comic universe, but in a in the general grasp of superheroes, you know, you know, when I see that power, the first thing I think about is back to my childhood. Being, Don't say it. Being a child watching Cartoon Network. Oh. And Kevin Eleven. Yes. <laughs> Kevin Eleven. That's the first thing I think of whenever someone's like, oh yeah, I can turn into what I touch. You know, yeah. So you think it's more like I can turn into what I touch rather than like I can absorb what I touch? Because I kind of got the feeling that it was kind of a rip off of Rogue. Because you know how Rogue can just touch stuff and obviously her power is more like I take your energy. Yeah, I think Mundo Mondo is more of a I turn into what I touch. Because remember he grabbed onto a Krakoa. Yeah. And it spoke through his stomach. Yeah. You know? So he, he became Krakoa. Right. Versus just channeling the energy of Krakoa. Yeah. He was like, this is itchy. And um, the same thing with the facility. Oh, you haven't read number two, <laughs> so I can't tell you about that. Well, it's fine, yeah. honestly. In number two, there's this guy in the Space Jammers. Right. He's like some alien, but he has a whole room that's based off his home planet. And he had been working for years to get this special, I think it was like some kind of space turnip. Bro, yeah. and they walked in there, messed up the humidity and everything, just trashed it. And he got mad. And Mundo was like, Oh, he grabbed the ground and put one inside of his stomach, and it ripened up. And so, so he was like, he Problem got, solved. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, that's like a basis of what happened. He, he became one with the room, so it's kind of like a greenhouse almost that the dude had made. Yeah, he made a greenhouse on okay. the spaceship. Gotcha. Yeah. I just said it was a room because normally a greenhouse, you know, a greenhouse has a light fixtures right. to come in and everything. But this was like, I never called that a greenhouse because when people grow plants inside, it's not a greenhouse. <laughs> right, right. Unless you have a specific facility like that. Yeah, that's made of glass and yeah. you know, all that fancy stuff. For sure. Climate control and all that. But anyway, I've had a good time recording this first podcast, man. This is this is going to be a blast when we really get our you know wings under us and start yeah. flying. I can't wait. This is, especially talking about this type of stuff. Facts. Spec is always fun to talk about because, you know, it can go anywhere. Spec's my specialty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that wraps up our film, TV, and speculation portion of the podcast. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the first official KRCP podcast and i know i just said p and podcast so don't correct me on double podcast but we had a blast doing this this is your host with the most macadelic and skelly boy signing off later <laughs>